This is Empowered Human Academy. Welcome home. This is about love. This is about light. This is about the idea that you, you contain everything you will ever need. And this life of yours, this is where you expand, you grow, and you remember who you are. I'm Abe. I'm Isaac. In Empowered Human Academy, we join with humans of all kinds to feel the inspiration that can only come from empowered living. The stories you hear today are unique, but the energy? The energy you hear today is yours, too. So, with hearts wide open, let's begin. Thank you for being here. Hey crew, this episode is Pay What Feels Good. Rather than pulling in sponsors and paid advertisements, we are excited to try something different. I'll talk more about this at the very end of this episode, or you could read more at empoweredhumanacademy.com. Hello, Empowered Humans. Hope you're taking good care of yourselves out there. We're so glad that you're here. On this week's episode, we're shaking things up a bit, just to keep it spicy. We've handed the interviewer's seat over to our friend Justin, and he's interviewing us on the podcast today. It's important to us that you know the people behind the voices you're listening to every week, that you know where we're coming from and what experiences have shaped us into who we are now. And that's exactly what this interview is, a snapshot of our lives, our souls, our perspectives in this current moment in time. In this conversation, we talk about this adventure we've been on together since we met seven years ago. We discuss the painful parts of our stories and the bliss that's possible on the other side of pain. We take a deep dive into exploring what empowerment actually means to us because we get it. Empowerment can feel like just another buzzword with nebulous meaning, so we unpack what it feels like, what it looks like for us to live from a grounded place. Justin asked such thoughtful questions, and we think you'll enjoy where he guides our conversation. We're pumped for you to get to know us a little better and hope you might find yourself in our story too. Let's get into it. Hey guys. Hello, hello. Hello. Hey, well, I just want to say again how excited I am for this time with you guys. I know that we hung out a little bit ago, and I remember even before going and, and like as I'm about to hang out with you and listening to your podcast, I think it was just that day or the day before the first one, I was thinking to myself, man, I wish these guys would have a podcast where somebody would interview them because you all are just filled with just so much goodness, so much light, so much empowerment, right? Of what you're trying to offer to people. And I'm like, all the story behind that is what I want people to know. And I just feel honored that you asked me to just come and hang out with you all for a little bit. So thanks for that. Yeah, we, after our conversation, we were like, Justin has to interview us because you're so good at asking questions and we're just so excited to have you. So thanks Mm -hmm. for being up for this. I'm excited about it. For sure. Well, let's get into it. I would love to know just from a starting place. And I think people that are listening to this as well is just tell us about you. Tell us about your story. What's brought you to wherever you want to start it to launching a podcast and empowered human Academy, light word, all of it. Well, Isaac and I met six, almost seven years ago, and we've been on an epic journey of exploration and learning and growing and and unlearning a lot of things over the course of our relationship. And it's been really cool to be in this partnership where every day we are constantly evaluating, reevaluating, constructing and reconstructing ourselves. And 
it's we've we've grown a lot in the last six years, seven years. How long have we been together, babe? I like to think of us as being in year seven, just because I'm more excited about sevens than sixes. Uh, but for me, the way that I put it, so. <laughs> right? For me, I think the way that I'd put it is that I just I've always been interested in what happens next, like what wants to happen next, and that necessarily means looking beyond what is currently happening. I remember in the in the months before I met Abe, I kind of had this thought wandering through my head like, okay, when is something going to change? When is something interesting going to happen? And that was a slightly different wondering than all the years previously. Like in that moment, I was in a good pace of my life. It was like, what, 2014, something like that. And I was like, okay, I feel ready for something. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to find it, but I feel ready. And then Abe descended from the heavens and interesting things didn't really stop happening after that. So I think fast forwarding a bit to the part where we start this podcast, I think for me, it's always been an exercise in staying open to and curious about what happens next. And that's a necessary part of empowerment for me, right? Like I feel boldly able to invite in whatever happens next. And so I like that concept and that makes sense in terms of what we talk about here in the podcast. Yeah. And for me, I've always been really attuned to what it means for one to grow and to become more of themselves. I have always been a part of these leadership programs for young people around the world as a participant in college and in my 20s. And I've been a mentor for some global organizations. And I've always just been so fascinated with self-development and becoming your truest, authentic self. So a lot of the relationship components that Isaac and I have experienced in our relationship has kind of surrounded this concept of like, how do we enjoy our life and how do we become our most true selves? And this has kind of all led up to this podcast, Empowered Human Academy. That's awesome. I want to go to a specific place because it's not just a place that it's kind of the origins of Abe and Isaac together. It's also a place that I feel like Abe, when we met and we knew each other, it was shortly after that, that then you met Isaac. And you just referenced, you know, that you've been a part of mentoring programs and you've really just loved and desired just this whole empowerment and and how people grow and how people change. That's something you've, you've already loved before. But I feel like in that moment that I knew you, it wasn't necessarily the easiest moment in life for you. It was a little bit of still kind of discovering and learning And I think what I would love to hear more of is for the two of you coming together, what is it about the two of you that works and how is it that you all feed off of each other in terms of creativity and just driving new initiatives and coming up with the things that you've come up with? And so I guess just how have you all made each other better and what has some of that process and that evolution been like? You know how when you have two magnets that are in a matching set and you kind of slide them around until they snap into place and they're perfectly aligned? That's kind of how I feel about the two of us together. Our energies has all, have always been very attractive in the way that the, in, in the way that magnets are. Right? They seem to snap together in a particular way. And I want to allude to a force as fundamental as magnetism because it really feels like underneath everything at the very, very center, whatever kernel of being that we have, we are both oriented very naturally in incompatible paths. I feel like 
like even in places where we disagree, where we're unsure about the mechanics of a thing, if we peel back the layers and go down and down and down and down, the thing that we sensed was there is actually there, which is that we fundamentally care about the same things in the same way. And I don't just mean like our laundry list of like, I value X, Y, and Z. I mean, like our orientation relative to the universe feels alike. We both are in this life for similar purposes. And we, we kind of sense that from the beginning, like in our very first conversation, there was a lot of like, oh my gosh, who are you? Because I haven't had a conversation like this ever before. And part of it was just learning more and more about the, the fact sheet of the other, but it was mostly a very sudden and then constantly affirmed realization that this person is highly resonant with me. And I think that if you begin with something where the relationship has snapped together so so strongly, what happens next is bound to be interesting, whatever it is. Like we haven't had to struggle to find the next thing to do. It's only ever been a matter of just resting with who we are, observing what's around us and seeing what inspiration naturally comes forward. Does that make sense? What would you add to that, Abe? Yeah, and I think what you were talking about, Justin, for those of you listening, and we probably talked about it in our intro, Justin was my old boss, and we worked at a nonprofit together back in the day. And when you met me, I had just moved to Denver, and it was the first time in my life that I came out as a gay man. I was questioning my faith. I was in this transition of a couple years out of college and understanding who I really was, but also at the same time, like knowing who I was, but having a hard time executing and like living in that truth because of insecurities or even just like the fact that I was coming out of the closet after being really highly involved in the Christian faith mm -hmm. for my whole life. Like there was a lot of insecurity, there was a lot of fear, there was, there was a lot of doubt. And when I met Isaac, like Isaac was talking about, there was this click that allowed this like open freedom to explore all the things that we were without shame, without judgment, um, which was hard and difficult in the first couple of years. But there was that grounded connection that kind of followed us through all of our growth. And uh, yeah, like Isaac was talking about, like we have moved to various cities and states in the last six, seven years. And we've done a lot of things. We've quit jobs. We've left groups. We've lost some friends. We've gained a lot of friends. And all of that has been so kind of effortless, if that makes sense, because of the grounded connection that Isaac was talking about. Yeah. One thing you just referenced was just that whole process, that journey of in your early mid-20s, moving figuring out who you are. I think that you just touching on that is just such a relevant thing when it comes to anybody, like if they can harness and start to really implement some of the things that you're teaching people at this stage in life, at that stage in life, especially like they're going to just be so much better off because of it. Right. And I think that what you talk about, everybody's journey in that period of life is challenging for them. Right. Especially as you're just like discovering who you are and your identity and so I just welcome, especially people in all phases of life. But if you can start to get that in your teens, 20s, the things that you guys are talking about, read your newsletter every single week, listen to the podcast, you'll be better off for it, you know? And I want to also come back to something, Isaac, that you mentioned. That was when you guys met, you had a sense of something that was there. 
but you just had to find it. And I think that that also really speaks to a lot of what you guys talk about is like trusting yourself, like hearing just intuitively what you're feeling and then responding to it, but, but searching for it in that response. I love that. Go ahead. I feel like you want to say more to that. I I want to say so much more about this. Uh, (laughs) The willingness and confidence that I have about making choices for that reason, because it, because it, I, I feel drawn to it. It feels like the right thing came from a bunch of years of making choices that were not motivated that way and finding only like a slow death down that path. So it's not like I just woke up and said, I'm only going to do this. I mean, maybe I did when I like was born, right? We're all like at, at very early on, we're only paying attention to our internal systems and what we feel. And then perhaps we're socially conditioned to pay attention to external values, all that jazz. And, and so it was around like, age 20, 21, when I made that transition. And I'll be brief about this story, but basically like very depressed college kid who was doing school for all the normal, like right reasons and career and all that jazz. And I was just very, I was just deeply sad. And at one point I said, well, fuck it. Like I'm actively dying here. I might as well just toss all of this out and go just recover for a little bit. I wasn't even trying to achieve joy or achieve anything good. I was just trying to look for some relief and Fast forward a ways, like that initial decision to just seek some relief, I think very naturally grew into a natural achievement of joy, I suppose. So the point that I want to make here is that I wasn't always like this. I didn't always know to value the voice of my intuition or whatever. It's something that I chose because choosing the opposite of that led me to a place where there was nothing left but to go the other direction, inch towards the light just a little bit at a time. And since then, my life has just kind of been an experiment in what happens if I just make all my decisions like this and it's going well. And yet I can relate to what Isaac was going through because I knew that sense that Isaac just talked about inching towards the light, living in your truth, but I was conditioned by my community, by myself, by society around me to not chase after that because it was too much or you can't be professional if you're joyful or all these like really negative toxic things. So I I doubted myself and I tried to live in an alternate like personality universe where I just wasn't acting like myself. And that kind of like what Isaac was talking about was leading me towards a slow death. Mm. Yeah, I want to get right into, because I think you guys are, are speaking to this already and what you're talking about with just the level of intentionality with which you're living your life and the choices that you're making so that you're not going down that path of the slow death. But let's just really hone in on the fact that you guys in what this podcast newsletter empowered human academy, the word empowerment, it's a word that I think a lot of people use these days. And I think that for the most part, people kind of understand the surface of the word, but I think there's a depth to the word which requires an action and the word, you know, used already intentionality, permission, so many other things. So I want to know what this word means to you and why you chose this to set the foundation of what you're creating. That's a great question. I think everything we do, Isaac and I, come from a really empowered, deep grounded place of an empowered. And what I mean by that is a space that is confident, strong, hopeful, receptive, to all of the things that the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, has for us, operating from that level of depth, that grounded, powerful, 
state, that's like what empowered means to me. And I feel like when we see things come to fruition in our life, like we are experiencing something while we travel or in a conversation where we just cry because it's so fucking powerful. That's kind of the taste, the essence of what empowered means to me. And I feel like for so long, Isaac and I, before we met each other, were going down the road of unempowered, unauthentic place, where now we are like really intentional about every single thing that we do from finances to travel to every part of our work, our conversations that like that specific essence is what I invite others to realize for themselves because it is so universal and it's so um, available to all of us. Isaac? I think for me, the concept of empowerment is rooted in the idea that all the decisions that we make at some level we make because we want to feel good, whether it's something where that connection is immediate. Like if I eat this, the sensation will be pleasant. Or if I follow the rules of my job, I'm going to get a promotion and that will allow me to afford this and experiencing that makes me feel good. Like however many degrees of separation there are between the choice and the feeling at some level, we only choose things that we choose because we want to feel good. So hold that up idea up in there next to it is the idea that we actually do have the freedom to choose. And when you make a choice, like popularly, there's the concept of opportunity cost, right? Like you make a choice in this direction and you can't have whatever this other thing is. The calculus of our choices is often informed by so many external factors, things that we've been told matter, things that we've been told will prevent us from being happy or things that we've told will make us happy. So for me, putting these ideas together, the, the notion of empowerment is that most of the things that people have told you will or won't make you happy don't factor in. The only thing that you have to pay attention to is the fact, and it is a fact, that you do have freedom of choice at every moment. Because of that, and because you have a phalanx of senses which tells you if you're feeling good or not, you have the ability to make choices that make you feel good. And that's, that's a really simple way to say it, but I think that's basically what empowerment, it's stepping into the realization that I have freedom of choice, Regardless of what risks I perceive or don't perceive, right? It's a willingness to be brave enough the first time, and it requires different kinds of bravery over time or less bravery over time, maybe even. But the willingness to look beyond the risks and say, I have the freedom to choose the things that I really want, and I have the trust that if I make those choices, it's going to go well. So it's, it's all those things together. It's, it's freedom. It's recognizing that I just want to feel good on some level. And so I'm going to make choices that steer me in that direction. And it's the willingness to do so despite all the things that we've been told to be afraid of or been told to avoid. And it's coming to a point where you actually believe that and feel that where your life starts to change and starts to actually be what you want it to be. I love that. I love too that in reading through your newsletters and talking with you guys, being friends with you, there's this place that you keep coming back to that really starts with the individual self. I think even in one of your newsletters, Abe, I think you talked about like, yeah, for a long time, I thought that like loving myself and focusing on the individual was very selfish. And I can even say that resonates with me too, that I'm like, yeah, it is like, it's, it's about others and how do you love others, but also that you can't do that well without loving yourself first. 
And so what I love about what you guys are creating right now, especially in the space that we're living in, the time that we're living in, right? We can't ignore the social and political discord and separations. You all aren't really stepping into that space. You're saying, let's talk about the self. And the self then is going to carry out into those other realms. So there's not a question with that necessarily, but I feel like there's probably a lot more that you all can say to build on top of that. (laughs) For sure. To add something briefly, hopefully briefly to that, we'll see how brief this next part ends up being. (laughs) A, A core thing for me is to pay attention to the ideas that work when everybody executes on that idea. This is one of the reasons why the much maligned multi-level marketing scheme, like my reason for not enjoying that is because if everybody did that, there would be the end result of it, which is that one person becomes very wealthy and everyone else is just on a treadmill, right? Or, Or different degrees of that. That's a really easy way to illustrate the idea that there are some ideas which work if everyone does them, and there are some ideas which result in everything falling apart if everyone does them. And the whole notion behind self-love is that if everyone pays attention to becoming their healthiest self possible and allowing whatever expression comes out of that, if we all come at life from a place of deep, centered stability and health, it's my observation that if we all do that, everything gets better. And so that's one of the reasons why we talk about that, because it's an idea that scales. In the past, Abe's talked about how Whole30, like it's a, it's a principle that isn't selling anything. We're not selling anything here. There's, there's no, it's not a multi-level marketing scheme where somebody gets super rich at the end of it. We all benefit because it's a collection of individuals benefiting. And when I'm at peace and full of love, it radiates and everyone else feels a little bit better because of that. And when I'm next to somebody who's, who's doing the same thing, like we both feel that mutual benefit. And when three people are it, it's on and on and on, it's just good for everybody. And again, coming back to the idea that if an idea works, if everyone does it, that's something to pay very close attention to. And self-love absolutely qualifies. I love that. Did you have more you wanted to say? Yeah. And I feel like our way of participating in what the world is going through right now is actually continuing to be our fullest healthy selves and encouraging others to do the same. For a long time as an Enneagram 3, I'm like, okay, I got to achieve. And as an Enneagram wing 2, I do have a wing 2 part of my personality that I want to like help people and stuff like that. I was getting to a point of really judging myself that I wasn't doing enough, quote unquote enough, or doing the right things, quote unquote. But then I took a step back and I'm like, what actually makes me feel most powerful? And that is one, being really healthy myself and then also helping others do the same. So this year, yeah, I've talking about some political things on social media because I'm, I'm also pretty passionate about that. But the majority of my efforts have been towards having good conversations with people, leading people out of their place of hurt, of their self-destructive messages that they send to themselves. So that way they can show up better in the world. And then if we're all showing up better in the world, then the world gets better. Like we, I always say we can't heal the world unless we heal ourselves. So in that way, that's the way that I'm participating in what's happening in the world right now, because all of us has have such unique ways to impact and make this world better and make ourselves better. And I, I firmly believe that. I love that. And like I said, just to be honest, it's one of those things that I've seen it. And I feel like what you all are creating, there's a lot of things that it's like, here's just sort of this 
self-help or this positive thinking. I feel like what you are doing though is, is just beyond that. I feel like it's just even more grounded and centered in, yeah. And just the ways that, that life, that beauty, that powering, that encouraging, that challenging each other comes along. And I don't know what it is beyond that, but I feel like it is more centered in that. And I love that. I want to take us in a little bit different direction in terms of that, because we we're talking about all of the things that are good and beautiful and knowing yourself and trusting yourself and being empowered. But there's going to be plenty of people, I think, that listen to this that are like, but let's talk about pain. Let's talk about discomfort. Some would say that getting to the place of where you all are, are at and where you're talking about in terms of being empowered and the things that really fill you up and how you live in freedom and openness. I think a lot of people would say, okay, yeah, that's great. That's a, that's a privilege, a privilege in the sense of the security of time, money, just security in general. I'd say that we probably all agree that to have different aspects of that security or that health help to make those steps easier. And so there's going to be people that are in deep pain, right? That's like, whether it be physical, emotional, broken relationships, loss of jobs, struggle with money, all of those things. So the question that I have is for somebody listening, it's like, this sounds great, but I don't even know where to go about starting to attain this. Like, what do you tell them about your story? And what do you tell them about where to start? Yeah, that's a great question. I think Isaac and I are in this space because of the years and years of darkness we did go through and the journey that we went on to get out of it, even though everything was kind of stacked against us, in my opinion. I was in the closet. I wasn't out for most of my life. I got bullied growing up. I was this overweight kid. I was super depressed. I, was, I had anxiety and depression from age 12 to senior year of college. And I understand that pain is real because we all go through pain, right? And Isaac and I have really hard conversations sometimes that are really painful. And we're not negating any of that truth, but we're not living in it. We're not accepting that it ends there. We're not accepting that pain is the end all be all for life. We're not buying that we need to suffer through life. There were years that I was in chronic pain, but it was like, I either sit in this chronic pain or try to make it better. I want to get better. We want to live healthily. So I think uh, to your question, like, I think what you were talking about in how we're rooted, this is like far beyond like just the positive thinking. I think it's because we've been through so much pain in our own way that we understand the sweetness of the life after pain, after post-healing. And I don't want to go back. And I've developed things and ways to help me stay in a healthy place. So that way, even when something does, when pain does knock on my door or when fear or all these things do trickle in, I have a grounded mental pattern and recognition that allows me to dictate where my feelings, where my actions are going to lead me versus having it overtake me. We've had an incredible marriage, but we've had, there have been a lot of tears. There have been a lot of screams, like so much, but what does it all lead to? It doesn't end at the screams. It does. That's not the end of the story. The story is only beginning when we allow ourselves to heal. And that's what I'm super excited about. And that's why I get so passionate about it. Because I feel like in movies and in books, everything ends at happily ever after. And I always talk to Isaac about, I'm like, this life is creating what happens during happily ever after. And that doesn't mean bad shit is not going to happen. 
we are going to be ready to work through it and move through it in a confident way because we've kind of know in a lot of senses, like what it feels like to go through pain and we know how to get through it because we've been through it a lot of times. Isaac? There's a lot here. Wow. (laughs) That was an awesome answer though. I mean, I just appreciate what you all do with everything you create is you welcome people in. And I knew I could ask that question because you choose to be vulnerable and you choose to say, hey, this is not just easy. It's not just something we just thought up or we just did yesterday or today. It's a, it's a process. It's a journey. And I think it's important for people to hear that even as you all being the content creators of what you're developing, that they understand that story for you. You know, And I know that you can find that in all different areas. But yeah, I just appreciate your all's vulnerability and your willingness to share some of that. But Isaac, what do you have to add to that? The way that I think about pain has a lot to do with treating it as, I mean, it's a signaling device, right? Like you're experiencing something, something painful and it's some part of your system telling you that this is not good for you. And so it's recognition that the pain is a signal that something about this experience isn't working. And whether that's I take myself out of the situation entirely if I have the ability, because that can be a privilege. Or if I don't, I change my perspective on it so that the way that I encounter this, the way I perceive this is more positive. Either way, if there's pain, something has to change. Mm -hmm. So that, coupled with the willingness to forget, I think that's a huge gift that we have because we create more in our experience of the thing that we focus on, right? Like I had seven or eight years of major depressive disorder and for all of the like chemical reasons why that was occurring, in my perspective, all I was focusing on was the depression. Hmm. I literally didn't know how to look for anything else because the people that I was around and the context and, and all of that, that's nobody's fault. The only thing that I knew to focus on was a bleak perspective on everything. And I created more of that and I got really good at it. And the point where that changed, which I talked about earlier, where I just said, well, this is like, I cannot last in this. I have to seek any relief. That was when I realized that A, the pain was telling me that something needed to change. And B, I needed to start forgetting some of this. I needed to take my focus, point it in something that felt even a little bit better. Even if it still felt bad, it was still a little bit better. And then I was willing to put behind me and start to forget all the things that had been dragging me down for so long. I chose very consciously and purposefully to just forget my history with religion, to forget the fraught relationships that I had with some of the people in my life, to forget the, it wasn't true drive, but to forget the commitment that I felt to a career and to an academic path for reasons X, Y, Z. I chose to shift my focus and to allow myself to forget all of that because when it started to take up less space in my head, Mm -hmm. I had room for the relief that I was focusing on. Or we can phrase that the other way. The more that I focused on the things that gave me relief, the less I thought about everything else and the more I forgot about it. There's only so much that we can fit into our awareness. And that's useful. That's not a limitation. I mean, it is a limitation. But like Catherine Gell said in an earlier episode here, it's one of the restraints, it's one of the constraints that empowers us 
our ability to forget, the necessity of forgetting, because we can't think about everything all at once, is useful because it means you can steer yourself in a different direction and start clearing out naturally all the things that were dragging you down. Pain is a signal for change, ability to forget. Both then, those things. And then when that pain comes up again, because when you're forgetting, it might store in your subconscious, because that's also a real thing. You are now at a place where your brain and your body and your spirit has so much more strength to it to handle those places that need to be healed that you might have forgotten about when they come up later. Would you agree, Isaac? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. And I think, again, to go back to your story, Isaac, and as you share your story, for anybody that's going to really partake in this work that you all are doing, like to really own the journey, right? And to own the history and, and to know that like without that history and without you really kind of be able to work through that place where it's like there's a moment and there's maybe building moments that then like create that catalyst for change. And I think some people would say to take that risk, you know, to leave all the things behind the way that you've learned them. And, and Abe, you referenced this earlier, unlearning a lot of things takes a risk. And yet I think what you all are saying is, no, the bigger risk is staying in that place and being miserable and being unhappy and being broken. Totally. In a future episode, we're talking to our friend who's a clinical psychologist, and she talks a lot about how after people get out of addiction or some negative mental spaces, they are in the process of healing and they're three steps down the road. And then they say, oh my gosh, I don't deserve this. This can't be right. I can't be enjoying life. And then they go right back to those destructive behaviors. And I think Isaac and I are really intentional about what happens 10 steps after healing. So that way, this can be our new normal. The positive, grounded, intentional life is our normal, and we expect good things to happen because what we think, what we do, it all kind of connects in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think an important aspect of this too is the fact that our life experience is our perspective, like by definition, right? And and an argument that I've made, that you've made, that other people have made is that well, if I choose to go to a place that feels better, I'm ignoring the reality of all the things that made me feel terrible. Hmm. That's a fair argument. However, the world is massive, and you cannot possibly begin to account for all of it in one single human perspective. That's absurd, that notion. Mm -hmm. If we take that as true, and I do, then we are necessarily left with some slice of what is real, of what is true to pay attention to in any given moment. And so why not choose perspective that begets greater health and happiness and love and respect for self and for others, right? Like if we're already doomed, quote unquote, to slice our perspective down to something specific and not be able to comprehend 99% of reality, if that's already the case, and it is because we are tiny beings, in a sense, then you have absolute freedom to choose your perspective. And the idea that you don't is preposterous to me. And, and so we are, not, we are not bound to what is real or what is true. And those are strong words, but I believe them because so many things are real and true and you can only pay attention to so much of it at once. So be purposeful about what you do pay attention to because if you're only paying attention to a small slice anyway, you might as well choose a slice that leaves you 
better and leaves the world around you better as a result. And I'll quickly share an example of what that looked like for me this past week. I did a whole 30. I stepped on the scale the next day after I was done and I was really disappointed in how much weight I lost. I lost six pounds. Usually I lose 15, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just a number. But it did matter to me in the moment. And I, w- I spent the morning like mourning the fact that I didn't lose a lot of weight, right? I'm an empowerment coach, but I still get sad too. Like we're still fucking human. That doesn't opt us out of all the human emotions just because we live in this focused life. But what I did though is... I took my reality. One, I moved through my feelings. I cried. I was sad. I was just letting myself be. And then I thought, okay, what reality do I want for myself? I know that this is also being impacted because I haven't seen my friends and family. I miss life, you know, the way it used to be. Um, And also I'm just fucking human. Like that's okay. But I know that when I am in a feel good state about my health and not my, not just my weight, everything that has to do with my health, then I am able to appreciate my body. I'm able to do more things out of a place of a feel-good space, which then leads me to all my goals versus me doing something out of shame, doing something out of um, not feeling good, because none of that leads to a good place that's sustainable. So, I was able to choose like what slice of reality that I wanted to focus on. And it's been a great week since. And I have more courage and I have a better sense of trusting myself in the coming months and days with my nutrition, which that comes from a good space. It can't come from a bad place and be sustainable or real, in my opinion. That's awesome. I think what's so important about that is, is Isaac, you just said, hey, we only have but so many thoughts and we have to make a choice. We have to be intentional about which ones we're going to own and run with. And Abe, you bring the perfect example there to say this was a real life experience. And I think that's something people can really relate to that I think it, it really helps to distill it and it helps people to understand like there are just these constant moments where we're we have battling thoughts and it's a matter of which one we're going to take and which one we're going to run with. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's like right there in that moment that we're able to own it. We're still going to be wrestling. That's a beautiful story. And and I think that that's really good to hear. I know our time is getting short here. There's something I really, really want to ask you all because I think it's really... We have 12 minutes. <laughs> our time is getting short. I, I could be here for another two hours. I know. <laughs> you guys have so much good to share. And it's just great to just to learn about you all and what you have to share. So I've had this opportunity as your friend to, you know, we don't obviously text all the time and hang out all the time, but like we just stay in touch over the years. And over the years, there's been these like brief moments of time, sometimes longer that it's like, oh, hey, I kind of get to catch up with you guys. But in between all of those moments, you all have gone and you've traveled the world and you've seen a ton of different things. And through that, that has shaped you, I would imagine. And I just kind of want to hear about how traveling, seeing the world, you referenced earlier, Isaac, just different perspectives, how that shaped your perspective. That's the first question. And then I also want to tag something onto that. So like, just keep it in your mind. You're not traveling the world right now and you're not going to for a while and you're stuck in one location. And so you all have had like some crazy extremes and how has that influenced who you are and the work that you're doing? I have learned that... There is not one way to live and that life is really gray and it's beautiful to live in the gray. 
I grew up with the notion of like, okay, I'm going to college. I'm going to get an HR job. I'm going to be HR director one day and that's it. And not that that's bad, but that's all that I had an idea of what to do with my life. And then I joined a nonprofit where we traveled the country and served different communities around the country. Shout out to STLF. And then in the last six years since we've been together, six, seven, I'm going to get it right one day. I've been able to meet people and see things that really just shocked me. And I was like, oh, wow, I can dress like this. I think travel has given me permission to truly do whatever the fuck I want to do with my life. Because if you can think of something out of your head in terms of lifestyle, there's probably someone living that, right? And I think it's encouraged me to be more creative and to not fear myself. Because when I've see myself moving, sitting on an airplane, going through turbulence over the Atlantic Ocean, finding myself, you know, hiking and skinny dipping in a river in France and doing all these crazy things that I had no idea that I would ever experience in my life. It always reminds me, it always turns me back to me to trust myself and to know that like I can create and experience the things that I want to experience, which then that's affected my work, that's affected my art, that's affected how I dream with Isaac. I'm like, oh my gosh, let's do this because this is third degree. I got this idea from like a friend of a friend of a friend that I met in France. Like it's just, it's inspired me to think bigger and to feel bigger, part of a bigger story. I think for me, the principal thing that travel holds for me is an ongoing object lesson in claiming your desire. And I think most of that comes through Abe. He's the one who has like a particular drive for travel. And I enjoy it, let me be clear, but I don't, I haven't needed it in the same way. I haven't been as passionate about planning it and make sure we do this and go there and meet this person. And I'm learning as we encounter things and experiences that I have felt closed off to. And as I experience things that scare me at first, my experience is that, generally speaking, underneath, it's because I'm afraid to own the fact that I desire experience X, Y, Z. Trivial example, nice hotels. Mm-hmm. That's that is absolutely a privilege to talk about. But like the first time that we checked into a place that was like quite posh, I was scared as shit. He freaked out, and then we had a fight <laughs> about it because I'm like, "Oh my god! Like, totally. can we just enjoy this?" And there was a lot of fear around how he was reacting to it. And it took me years to get from there to a place where I can say, "Oh, I'm actually really attracted to free expressions of creative vision." And when we're in places of luxury, it's not that it's fancy or expensive or whatever the fuck else. Those were all things that scared me. Those are all things that I didn't deserve. But the thing that I'm attracted to, the, the part of my desire that, I've, that I'm learning to own and to claim and to pursue is massive creative expression. Not necessarily like physically massive, although it may be, but I'm just really attracted to unhindered expression, possibly because I've been so self-constrained in my own expression over the years. Like, I'm a big person. I have things to say and make and and express, right? 
And when I came into contact with with people or groups or whatever who were doing that, who were living in that freedom, mm. it scared the shit out of me because I wasn't allowing myself to do that. I didn't feel safe in it myself. And living next to that, I was in the last seven, six, seven years, I've been trying to like get myself out of that fear place too, to be like, okay, cool. Why can't I drive a black car to the Victoria Beckham store? Because I love Victoria Beckham and it's really posh, clearly. Spice, posh, I get posh it. spice. But like, it's not because it's like I'm better than anyone. It's not because it was just enjoyable for me. And I was practicing because we don't change unless we change our actions and our thoughts. So I was actually, you know, every time we went to London, I'm like, let's stay in a nicer hotel. Let's just like have some fun. It's not a big deal. Let's get comfortable with actually doing the things we want to do without feeling ashamed of it. And it's taken a lot of years of really in-depth, hard conversations for us to show up somewhere and not feel like one, we don't belong there, or two, not to even like recognize the desires being lived out and appreciate that they're being lived out. Yeah, that's important. That's important for all of us to try to understand a little bit better. So I think we would all say what we keep hearing time and time again, I think especially in this space is we all need to do a better job of listening and learning, listening and learning. And that is such a discipline. And that takes a lot of humility because I think that anytime we think, hey, we're listening and learning, all of a sudden, wait, we got to keep doing that more, right? And so I think for what you all are doing, and there's no way that you can create the content and also live just the truth and the reality of what you're living without the discipline, I would say, of a lot of listening and learning. So the question is, what's feeding you all during this time? Who are you being influenced by? I've talked about this in the newsletter, I think, more than anywhere else. After a long period of having no specific role models or teachers, and after finally getting to a place where I was okay with that, where I said, okay, if nothing's resonating right now, that's fine. I'm actually enjoying everything else. If I don't have a voice right now that actually rings super true to me outside of my husband, who I consider to be one of my primary teachers, actually. If I don't feel that resonance anywhere, then that's okay. And I proceeded that way for several years. I think in retrospect, that was an exercise in learning to listen to myself. More recently, I've stumbled across a bunch of books by Esther and Jerry Hicks. They called The Teachings of Abraham. And what I've found there is, for me, a voice that I really resonate with. The things that I hear there are things that I hear and go, oh, okay, this actually rings true with my experience, with my sense of how the world works. And it's the first time in a really long time where I've felt that kind of resonance with a teacher. So for me, my answer is twofold. I actually haven't been listening and learning for a long time. I've been purposefully stepping away from the, I'll phrase this way very one-sidedly, from the noise of everything. I feel like everyone on Instagram is a teacher who has a master class who's trying to sign you up for a newsletter. And now you're listening to our podcast, so we're asking you to subscribe to our newsletter. And I recognize the irony in that. But it's coming from a place of, like, I stepped back for long enough that I figured out, I reconnected to who I actually am. And now that I'm in a place where I'm not resisting myself so hard, 
I find myself now more able to hear the things that are for me and pay attention to the teachers that are out there because there are people who are speaking the words I need to hear right now. And I'm starting to find that I found for me, it's okay to not have those voices for a time. It's okay if I'm not making steady progress through my reading list. It's okay if the thing to do is to just like sit peaceably internally and wait. And when a voice does come along that rings true, it's okay to pay attention to that too. And for me, I know we're coming up on, you know, the end of our conversation after your last question coming up next. But I think for so long, I was listening and learning to a lot of figures and a lot of people who didn't really resonate with me. And I think over the last couple of years, I've like let go and I've unlearned a lot of the things that I was taught. And in that space, it's kind of like a hybrid of what Isaac was talking about, actually uncovering what listening to myself and what I actually think, because for so long, I silenced that voice. I silenced the truth that wanted to come out. So that's why I believe that we're starting to write now in our newsletters and we're talking on our podcasts and we're showing up more confidently because we're giving ourselves a space to actually listen to what is true to us. And secondly, when I am hearing something, it coming through the filter of, does this resonate with, it has to resonate, right? It has to land right because we're all so different and some teachers are for some people and others are not, and that's okay. So I have found that teachers who are really inspiring to me are the teachers who, not just people, but even like brands and publications and and things that I read, even art, even like what I look at, right? Is it resonating with me, not only in an aesthetically pleasing way, in a articulate way, but is the the energy below it really sound and really positive, Right. Because like you can be positive and straightforward. Like I'm super straightforward to my friends. Sometimes I'm like, listen, bitch, like this is not going to happen like this. Or like I'm struggling. I'm, I, I try to be really super straight up, but I'm always trying to be grounding myself in that light and in that positivity. So I look for teachers who are truthful, direct, honest, make you feel safe as fuck because safety is a really big thing for me too. I want to feel like I'm not being threatened right? Because for so long, I listened to teachings and people who made me feel threatened living in my own body. And so I kind of filter all of the conversations and the things that I read, listen, hear from. And they all have totally different perspectives, but they're grounded in that optimistic, hopeful truth of living. So yeah, that's great. And I think you guys talk about just the power of and the discipline of learning through unlearning that's not the answer I was expecting in that one, but I think we still got a lot of good from that. The last question I have, and this is a question that you guys ask everybody. And so everybody wants to know for you, what do you know for sure? What I know for sure is that nothing and nobody is broken. Everything is only ever in a process of rebalancing. Nothing is broken. Nothing is lost. Everything is in its own perfect state. If you back up and look at everything from the top down, everything is in its own process of rebalancing, of relearning who it is, of, of rebalancing. And I find so much delight in seeing how life finds its balance. And 
That's what I know for sure. I know for sure that our perspective impacts everything. And I know that life wants to live. And I know that there's so much joy and so much power and so much bliss on the other side of healing. Those are the things that I know for sure. I love it. Well, thank you guys. This time has been wonderful. I've had so much fun. I've learned a ton through this time as well. And I just want to say thank you guys for the level of intentionality that you live your lives, for the selflessness and what you give all things. And just for the safety, like you said, Abe, the safety of the space that's created, you're really welcoming anybody and everybody, no matter where they're at in their journey. And not to say like, oh, you're not going out and choosing positive thoughts and living a good life. Like, no, no, no. You're like, that's like, come here and show up. You know what I mean? Like, just be here, just be here. Maybe you'll, you'll start to grow and, and evolve. And so I love you guys. I love this time. Thanks for letting me sneak in on here and, and just be on this side of the mic and ask you guys questions. It's been a real privilege. Thank you, Justin. Thank you so much. This podcast is the work of Lightword, our company, named for that toward the light direction which informs every single thing we do, including money, which means, like everything else, the way we earn revenue as a company is not based on industry norms. It's based on what feels deeply right and aligned by passing through the door that feels like it has more behind it, not less. And the way we keep this podcast going is all Lightword. It's pay what feels good. It's an exchange of value between you and us. We're keeping conventional podcast advertising totally out of this. Here's how Pay What Feels Good works. We give you this episode because it feels good to do so. And then you consider, honestly, what number of dollars this episode is genuinely worth to you. I do not care if that's $3, $1,000, or literally $0 and a heart emoji, as long as that trade genuinely makes your day better. The energy there is the entire point, and that is what we're building our business on. No advertisers, no selling your attention, just you and us trading value in a way that builds us both up. So whatever the number, when you're done listening, head to empoweredhumanacademy.com and hit the pay what feels good button. We use this policy across our company's work, and I'm excited to bring it here to the world of podcasts. This is us voting for the world we want to see. Y'all, the whole point of everything is to open up ourselves in all the fullness we are made for, and then to create, create, create with everything that is real and true and bright. That's the work of a life. That's what we're working on. And you're here because you feel that for yourself too. And we believe in you completely. Thanks for joining us this round. And hey, for every conversation in this series, including this one, we've assembled a downloadable set of notes, table questions, a journal prompt, and some action steps that you can use to bring the energy and the lessons of this conversation home to your own life. Head to our podcast website, empoweredhumanacademy.com. Hey, thank you for being here. Now get out there and do something that feels exactly like you. We will do the same. And for us, that includes bringing you the next conversation. We cannot wait. Have an awesome, awesome day.